Rabbis call him pastor. Pastors call him rabbi. His patients call him doc. And his New York family calls him Meshuggah. Crazy. Because he believes in Messiah. Welcome to this episode of To Life, where Miles Weiss highlights the hope behind the headlines. We've been busy, and uh, we're glad to be here. Father's Day is Sunday. So I had to find out, well, what is Father's Day? Because I figure all things related to Hallmark cards were probably invented by them. So I, I really didn't know. But it turns out that uh, in 1974, President Nixon made Father's Day an actual national holiday. But it's got a long history that goes back before that. Uh, in 1908, Mother's Day was established in the U.S. at a Methodist church in West Virginia. And then in 1910... Father's Day began in Virginia to honor the men who died in a mining accident. That got my attention, because we're going to talk about tonight is, uh, you know, there's this great book out there, I haven't read it yet, but it's been out for a million years, called The Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Tonight you're going to hear a psychotherapist looks at Psalm 23, or as my kids would say, a psychotherapist looks at Psalm So these guys died in a mining accident providing for their families, and I thought about you know, John 3.16, I thought about the work of the Father and the Son that he was pleased him to bruise in order for you and I to live, yeah. right? So the origins began there, and then it moved to Spokane, Washington, a ministerial alliance, Methodist ministerial alliance. Was, it was set up by a daughter to honor her father, whose wife died in childbirth, and this daughter watched her father and helped her father raise all the children, and so she wanted to have a day to honor him for uh, doing that work. So uh, why don't we uh, take a moment, and I'll tell you the rest of the story in a moment. I want you all the fathers stand. I just want to applaud you for showing up for your families. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not being part of the deadbeat dad club and for showing up for your families. Uh, it's actually a big deal, in our day and age especially, you know, where there's so much rat-a-tat against men and fatherhood. And I'm always interested to see people that stand and have model families. Uh, so that said, go back a little further. In Catholic Europe, 1508, St. Joseph Nutritor Domini, that's Latin for nourisher of the Lord. So being a Jew, of course, I thought there was about about Joseph the patriarch, no, no, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, you know, Joseph, the, the step-parent of Jesus, the Catholics would honor him on a Father's Day, it was given to him on St. Joseph's Day, and then it was brought to the Americas by the Spanish and the Portuguese, and the Coptic Orthodox Church, the Christians in Egypt, they also have St. Joseph's Day that goes back to the 5th century, but the oldest celebration of Father's Day is in the Eastern Orthodox Church. That's the place Paul didn't go at first. He kept wanting to go east, and the Holy Spirit kept moving him west. I'm, I want to go. No, no, no. You're going to go to Greece, and you're going to go to Europe. You're going to go to the Americas. You're going to take the gospel around the world to the west, and it's going to raise up right now in the Far East with strength with the Chinese back to Jerusalem movement. Right Now, the gospel did get to the east, but they would, on the second Sunday before Nativity, Got me on that, December 25th, who knows. On the second Sunday, before the celebration of the birth of Messiah, they would have a Father's Day where they would celebrate all the fathers that led to the birth of Jesus, starting with Adam. But get this, 
If you've been with us, any, anybody here for the first time? If you're here for the first time, raise your hand so I can see. Hey, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm going to have you come up and recite something in Hebrew. I'll make references in, in Pigeon American and Pigeon in Hebrew at the same, same service. But check this out. The, the celebration of the Eastern Orthodox Church was to celebrate the patriarch Abraham because the Eastern Orthodox Church understood that God said to Abraham in Genesis 12 and repeated it in Genesis 22, through your seed, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So they were recognizing the father of the faith, who is also the father of the Jewish people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who is Israel, and now all of us who claim that heritage, we descend from Abraham. And those of you who claim that heritage through Christ the Lord are the children of Abraham by faith, right? So it's a good deal, but that, that I had never seen before, that Father's Day is not just a hallmark invention. It actually goes back to celebrating the Hebraic roots of the faith and the beauty of God choosing a family through whom to bring Messiah. How cool is that? So Father's Day is about Jesus. You know, remember that on Sunday. Okay. You know, Martin Luther said that uh, the Jews drink from the spring, the Romans from the stream, and we, Protestants, from the pool. Sorry, you got third place in that one. But, but here's the deal. He's, he understood that the origins of the Christian faith, including the just shall live by faith that he preached, the origins were Jewish. There was this Roman or Catholic stream that came afterwards. And by the time he came around in the Middle, middle Ages, it was about this pool that God was releasing in the Protestant world. Got that? Spring? Stream? Pool. <laughs> Jews, Catholics, Protestants, we're all part of the same water because the water is Yeshua. The living water comes from Yeshua. So uh, I just want to, we're going to get to the shepherd, the good shepherd as the father figure for tonight, but I wanted to set it up by telling you about John 10.22, which is Hanukkah time. I know we're in the summer, but it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jewish leaders surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Happy Father's Day. You're getting in on the front end of this. So I call this message, Who's Your Daddy? Because everybody I meet in the counseling world has some kind of daddy issues. Either they have the perfect daddy turned out not to be so perfect, that was mine, or they have uh, just the most rotten, painful, just recovery-needed, healing-needed relationship with their dad. And there's every this, the whole spectrum of those. But we all have those. But what happens when we say yes to the voice of God, and we hear Jesus 
is the good shepherd. And we start to follow him. Well, then, who's your daddy? It's Jesus. Your daddy is God in heaven. Your daddy is infallible. Right? Unlike your earthly daddy, who may have been a great guy, may have been a terrible guy. It doesn't matter. He cannot do, cannot be, will not suffice, will not be able to shepherd you in the way that our Heavenly Father can shepherd us. Right? So, uh, so the Psalm, Psalm 23 kind of has the names of the Father hidden in it and has the names of God in it. So when I ask, who's your daddy? You're going to hear about him in every verse in a different aspect of who he is. And you're going to come out of here feeling pretty confident, not in yourself, not in myself, but pretty confident that you got a good daddy. Uh, Adonai Roi Lo Echsar, everybody. Let's try this. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Adonai, Roi, Lo, Echsar. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? Adonai, Roi is God the shepherd. Roi is shepherd. God the shepherd. There's all these pictures. Now, I don't have a lot of personal knowledge of shepherding and sheep because I used to take the 54 bus to the subway to get to Manhattan, and there weren't a lot of sheep on the way. So forgive me of that. But I can read, and I can study, and I can make parallels, and I do understand enough Hebrew to make a mess. So I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is telling you, telling us that he is a shepherd, which means we just heard Jesus say, my sheep hear my voice. That means we're sheep. I mean, we're also bold as lions, I get it, you know, we've got it all going on, but he calls us sheep on purpose because he wants to emphasize our dependence on him, which we know when we first come to faith, you know that you're completely dependent on God because this totally new thing is happening to you. What we forget along the way is that we are still completely dependent on him because we can't control everything that's around us, correct? So we... We accept the identity as sheep, especially if we're the sheep of his passage. So we see in, in, this, in this first verse, we see Adonai Yireh. Try that. Adonai Yireh. Now I can say it in cowboy. Jehovah Jireh. That's what you heard growing up in the church, right? Jehovah Jireh, Adonai Yireh. It means the God who sees, the God who provides, the God who knows your needs, and he provides for you. It's like this in, in uh, Genesis 22. Abraham named that place Adonai Yireh. As it is said today, on the mountain, the Lord will provide. That's the I shall not want. You know, he said he's the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep, John 10, 11. The shepherds in the day used to mark the ear of the sheep. They, had, they each had their own marking. Each shepherd had a kind of a brand, a mark, a tear. I don't know how they did it exactly, but they would mark them, and he identified them as their own, and they actually knew his voice, which gets my attention because Jesus has marked our ear when he called you by name. I don't know if you had the same supernatural experience as I had, but he called me by, literally called me by name in a, in a meeting with 800 people, and a man stood up who said, there's a young man near here named Miles, where are you? Freaked out. <laughs> Catholics are praying in tongues and praising God, and I'm freaking out. 
looking for the Kreskin. This must be Las Vegas. Who told him my name? Does he have a microphone? What's going on here? It was called a word of knowledge, and he called me out, and he called me forward. He called me to the ministry. I was two months in the Lord because I had lost so many years. God put me on the, you know, the remedial track. I was in the, like the special class, you know, come on. Because I had lost on my magical misery tour between 13 and 33, I lost a lot of time and energy. And so at 33, those kinds of things were happening to me. He called me by name. Why do the Israelites every day, three times a day, sing, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. He's calling your name. He's telling you to hear, listen. Turn down the noise of the world and turn up the voice of God. I'm talking to myself, folks. I'm preaching to myself. We all need to do this, especially now. You know, we need to be in the world and not of it. So we need to recognize what's going on around us. That's a good thing. But we need to be prayerful and connected vertically so that the vertical stream is stronger than the sludge that comes at us every day, all day, through the media and online. Got it? Yes. Yeshua marked our ear so we can hear him. He did that for you. This is how he says it in a couple of places, one in the Old Testament, one in the New. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, we are, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Psalm 100, verse 3. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. This is Paul speaking to the disciples. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. You're a shepherd. Not only are you a sheep, but you're a shepherd. You may not be up on a pulpit speaking into a microphone, but you have a sphere of influence in which you are the one who hears from God and can carry the good news to the people around you. Right? You hear me say that every time we meet, because I actually believe it. I don't care if you're working in children's church or you're cleaning the facility or if you're, you're preaching to the multitudes or you're just checking out in Safeway. It's harder in Whole Foods than in Safeway, but that's... That's almost a political statement, so I'll be careful. You are a shepherd. You are carrying the life of the shepherd within you, right? And so we see God here as the Lord who provides. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, I always think of the sheep and the green pastures. I think of Scotland. Catherine's a Scot by uh, heritage. So we went to see your cousin, our Uncle Alistair in Glasgow, and uh, it's, it's like early in the morning, takes us out to see the sheep. It's lush, green, beautiful. You know, we're freezing. And he's in this little sweater. It's a wee fresh today. It's a wee, it's a wee fresh. We were like, <laughs> But I think of, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I think about this lush area of just, you know, bucks up. I got all the money. I got all the stuff I need. I'm fat with wool. I'm fed. I'm good. This is this is great. And I, it looks like that, right? It's perfect. But if you're a shepherd in Israel, like David was when he f- wrote this, it's more like this. It's a desert. And the sheep need the shepherd to help find the scraps that are alive so that they can stay alive. They're dependent on the shepherd. So we may be fat with wool and doing great and having the car and the house and the thing and the thing, but what we are in truth is that we are those dependent on the shepherd for the true food, for the real food, just like David would guide his sheep to the little scraps that were there, right? 
and they would feed on that because they were depending on him. Uh, the, the, he makes me lie down in green pastures. In Hebrew, it's ya'ar bitseni. It means sprawled on the ground, flattened. Really? So it's not just like, oh, this is so lovely here in Scotland. This is a great weather, and I feel good, and I've got lots of wool, and it's a wee flesh, but I'm okay. No, 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 no. When, you, when he makes you lie down in green pastures, you're flattened before him, eating the goodness of the land that he provides, eating the goodness of his word, feeding on what he provides, staying close to him, right? Has more and more meaning these days. Is we're, we've made commitments to make more time in the early morning for the Lord. And the more we do that, the more flattened we get because of his awesomeness. Remember, Paul was the chief apostle as a young man. Then he was the least of the apostles in his middle ages. And at the end of his life, he was the chief of sinners. The closer you get to the Lord, the more you see his holiness and your unrighteousness. Now, that said, I want to characterize it by saying we're righteous inside because of who he is in us, right? So there's no room for self-condemnation. But the fact is pretty clear to me that he's holy and I ain't so much. So sprawling on the ground, flattened, he makes me to lie down in shredding small pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. In Hebrew, it's the water of quietness. Be still and know that I am God. It's the water of quietness. So we meet him here, your daddy, as Adonai Shalom, God of peace. I mean, the first thing that happens when you become a believer is this peace that you never had before. And you go, what, what is this? What, what, what is this? Something's wrong. Yeah, I don't have as much anxiety and terror and fear of the future and regret of the past. I have less of that. Something's changing. What is this feeling? Oh, it's peace. Never felt this before, right? But we can cultivate that because he is Adonai Shalom. He's God, our peace. Luke 8, 24, they came to Jesus and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves and they stopped and it became calm, right? It's psychological also in our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, what we think what we want, what we choose, and what we feel, all of that can come under the government of the Prince of Peace, right? So we make decisions from a place of peace instead of a place of panic. That's a good shepherd that helps us to do that. He restores my soul. That's where we see him as Adonai Rofi, the Lord my healer. He restores my soul. That is my mind, my will, and my emotions. He helps me to bring that under the care and covering of the good shepherd, the spirit, the Holy Spirit within us can rule, can guide, can be bigger than my soulish stuff, my la-di-da, right? He brings that and he heals us. And healing is it's an interesting process because there's this incredible rush of healing at salvation. It's like, wow, this is awesome. And then life happens. And you find you might need celebrate recovery. You might need some counseling. You might need a small group. You might need a pastor. You might need some friends to walk alongside you. You might find out that you have things in you that have not been healed yet. For me, I mean, my dad died when I was 18. I was already a hellion. Beatles came in 1964. I had my bar mitzvah, smoked my first joint. That was it. Woke up 20 years later with Jesus. But I didn't have my dad. So I had a lot of substitute dads along the way. Not so hot. You know, not healing dads, 
misguiding dads, right? So every decade or so, I go through a new, a new round of healing about all that stuff. It's okay. It's okay. I don't expect to be perfected here. It'd be nice, but I'm not looking for it. I'm looking for God to help me to be close to him so that he can speak and I can hear and he can guide me into all truth, right? So he's my healer. He's my healer. He, he's, it's a work in process. Anybody else here a work in process or is it just me? Okay, I'll speak into perfection or something. Okay. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Paths of righteousness? This, this, in the Hebrew language, this is a circuitous path. I always thought it would be like, da, 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 and my first pastor kind of was that way. Hey, we're great and getting greater. It's going to be awesome. We're the best, and they're not. We're so good. This is awesome. They're not. And this is great. It's a circuitous path. There's some wandering involved. There's some, some traveling that needs, the, where you need to be close to the Lord. And you can see it in the way the shepherd helps the sheep Go in, in Israel, those striations in the, in, the, are not, in the mountain, they're not just the work of the water coming down when they get water, because it floods in the desert, but they're also the switchbacks. These dangerous cliffs, they, the sheep need to go very carefully, led by and guided by the shepherd on these switchbacks so they don't plummet straight down and break their little hoofs. So we need to, in the circuitous times when there's a lot of wandering going on, we need to stay close to the shepherd so we can hear his voice and say, don't go there. Hey, watch your step. Oh, hey, yo. With our grandchildren. Uh-uh. We're working on it. But he does that. Hey, don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't look at that. Don't go there. Let me, let me take you, let me guide you on this pathway. This is where we meet him as Adonai Tzidkeno, the Lord, our righteousness. He is our righteousness, so he t- leads me in the paths of righteousness. Those are his paths for his name's sake. And he knows we're a work in progress. He's not, he's not nervous about you and your sin. He's not nervous about it. He just has you in, heart, in his heart as you try to navigate the circuitous paths. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And I, I was watching a rabbi. He's not a Jesus guy. He's a rabbi from Moses, Jew from Moses. And uh, he said that uh, the valley of the shadow of death is not just like my impending doom because we are all mortal, turns out, for now. And... Uh, but he said, it's like, you don't, you're scared because you don't know what's coming, right? And you see, the example he used was in the old cowboy movies when the shootout is going on and the guy takes his cowboy hat and he puts it on a stick. He puts it out there so that the guys can shoot the stick, shoot the, shoot the hat, and then they'll know where the bad guys are. You guys are too young for that. But anyway, if you're, if you're over 50, you'll know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the idea here is that God goes before us. Right, And when there is a trepidation, when we have trepidation about the future, he's not nervous. He goes before us. Uh, where I really learned this on my podcast was with Miriam Ibrahim, who was put in a prison in Somalia. She was a Muslim who became a Christian. She was put in a prison in Somalia. She was sentenced to a beating and death. When she went in, she had a, a, a young child and she was pregnant. They sentenced her to 100 lashes and then death. 
And she was in there for a long, long time. She had deepened her relationship with Jesus. She miraculously was brought out by international pressure and spoke before the UN about the horror of radical Islam. So she was on our podcast, and I, I asked her, how did she do it? And she said, I never fear tomorrow because God is there. You should hear that podcast if you're interested in stuff like that. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Adonai Shama, the Lord is present, you are with me. And Adonai Etzer, the Lord my help. Right? Both of these aspects of who's your daddy are in this part of the psalm. The rod for correction and the staff for guidance and comfort. Right? And we need both. We're, we're working with our grandchildren, trying to... Raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, right? Because they need both. Just like you and I need the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We need both, right? So the rod is for, hey, cut it out. And the, 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 uh, the, uh, that's the nurture. And the, the staff is for the comfort. It's for like, you know, I love you. Don't do that again. <laughs> okay. We hear that from Timothy. We hear Paul speaking to Timothy. We hear that both sides of the character of God. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. We need both. We need the nourishment of the worship. We need the depth of the water of the word. We need the the joy of our salvation. And we need to be trained in righteousness. It doesn't come naturally to me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is Adonai Nisi, the Lord, my standard of victory, the Lord, my banner, the Lord, my standard of victory. You have a defender. You have someone from above who is on your side. You have a shepherd who will take care of the lion and the bear so that you are ready to face Goliath with him, with the Lord. Anybody here been through a lion and a bear? Yeah, some of you, you know. Yeah, you had some battles that you had to overcome. And a lion would come after the sheep, and David would kill him. And a bear would come after the sheep, and David would kill him. And that, those, that training that you have had prepares you for the battles ahead. Adonai Nisi, the Lord, my standard of victory. It's like Joseph said to his brothers at the end of Genesis, the end of the book, he says... What you meant for evil, God will use for good. That's the rejoicing in the presence of my enemies. That's like somebody said, and I should probably look it up. Maybe you know. If you know, tell me. But I heard him. I thought it came out of the Holocaust. But when the, and when the Israelis came back, when the Jews came back to the land, I'm not sure. But I heard that living well is the best revenge. In other words, don't seek vengeance. You follow me, Jesus said to John. You know, Jesus said to Peter and John, you follow me. Right? Living well, living unto the Lord, living in the power of the Spirit, living your best life in God, that's the revenge. Not letting hurt, not letting uh, disappointment, not letting attack be the victor, but rather letting the power of the Lord and the overcoming power of the Lord be your victory. That's the living well that I think we need to have. You anoint my head with oil, Adonai in Kadesh. The Lord, my holiness, my sanctification. You anoint my head with oil. 
uh, every day I need my brain anointed with the oil of the Holy Spirit because otherwise it will be like a sheep that goes astray. I need the rod and the staff to... He anoints my head with oil. Right now, he's anointing your head with oil. Right now, just close your eyes for a moment. I really believe he's anointing your thought life. He's washing and cleansing with the oil of the Holy Spirit, giving you thoughts from above, holy thoughts from above, giving you thoughts. The scripture is the first thing that comes to mind instead of whatever else. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit begins to transform your mind and you can, you can do what Paul said we need to do, the Holy Spirit through Paul. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. That renewing is the power of the anointing oil of Mashiach, of Messiah. Hallelujah. My cup runs over. Again, I thought that was like drink more wine. I wasn't sure, right? What is that? No, it means, it means your word satisfies. My, your cup, your cup of the water of the word, the wine of the word, the depth of the word, the richness of the word, and your Holy Spirit it runs over. In other words, I'm satisfied. I'm content. My kingdom for contentment, Right? How many things are driving us, pulling us in every direction because of discontent in our soul? But when I come unto the Lord, underneath the power of the Spirit, I can take it or leave it. I'm content. That's why Paul said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. I know how to stay at the Ashok Calcutta Hotel with wet sheets. And I know how to stay at the Four Seasons if you want to send me there. Right? We, we, we can, we're, we're content because of the closeness of the shepherd, the safety of the closeness of the shepherd. Kosi revaya, the satisfying cup. It's a satisfying cup. And we see him here as Adonai Mana, as the, the Lord my portion, right? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This is a not a good translation, because it sounds kind of passive, like, hey, goodness, yo, mercy, come on. No, it's very assertive. Goodness and mercy are after me. Goodness and mercy, in the Hebrew, it's goodness and mercy are on my tail. They are after me. They are following They are close. They're following me close. They want to be in my life. There's a strength that's coming from the chesed, the mercy of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord, the tov, the goodness of God is like after us. There's an urgency in the original language. That's your shepherd. He's got an urgency about you being okay, about you being filled with the Spirit. And that's why he can say, I will dwell, tells us. And David switches tenses a few times. He's talking to the Lord. He's talking about the Lord, and he's also talking to the Lord. right? And that's a good picture for us. We need to talk to him, about him. We need to tell about him. We need to rehearse who he is. We also need to talk to him and receive from him. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, in the Hebraic thinking, without Yeshua, without Jesus, it's I'm going to have my best life. It's going to be great. But for you who know 
that David's greater son is the only one who could sit on the throne of David, which was promised by God to David. I will have a, I will have a king to sit on your throne forever. The only one who can do that is an eternal son of David. That's our God. That's our Yeshua. That's our Messiah. And so we can confidently know that we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a good word. You know, at Passover, we sing. Uh, have you been to a, anybody here not been to a Passover service? Raise your hand if you haven't been to one. I'm not going to rat you out. I just want to know. You need to come to a Passover service. They're mind-blowing because of the pictures of Jesus. And we drink four cups. And, and the, fourth, the four cups represent the works that God did for the Israelites, but also represent what God does for us. Well, in shepherding terms, he took this entire flock of Israelites out of Egypt and established them in a new land, just as he took you out of the Egypt of your world, your sin, and established you in a new land, which is his kingdom. And at, at one point in the service, we sing a song, Dayenu. Try that, Dayenu. It means enough. It would have been enough. If he had only done that, got us out of Egypt, whew, that would have been enough, Dayenu. But not only that, he gave us the manna in the wilderness, Dayenu. That would have been enough. But then he gave us the land. That would have been enough. But then he gave us the word of God at Sinai. That would have been enough. And then he gave us Yeshua, the Messiah. That's incredible, right? Every, every place along the way, he's being the good shepherd. On the macro level, he did it to a whole nation, established us 2,000 years after wandering. We're back in the land, speaking our own language, reading our own book. Never happened in the history of the world. Dainu. So tonight, I hope you're getting a sense of the... I hope when you read Psalm 23 that you'll see the names of God, you'll see the character of God, you'll see who he is in every sentence and the aspect of who he is as your shepherd and that you will hear his voice. Thanks for listening. If you have been enlightened and encouraged by this podcast, please rate this episode with five stars and share it with all your friends. This really helps us spread these informative good news messages. To Life, Hope Behind the Headlines is produced by House of Peace, a tax-deductible 501c3 corporation. Visit us at mkhop.org and on Instagram and Facebook. And thank you for your donations. They really make these sessions possible.